I see life in terms of it's just this constant iteration of try something, kind of works, kind of doesn't, learn from what doesn't, try something else. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek, that is what we truly want, and you absolutely are here to serve the world, and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Simple Health, convenient and affordable care, which provides online birth control prescriptions and delivery. Prescriptions are usually $20, but Simple Health is offering you a prescription for free. Just go to simplehealth.com slash dreamjob or enter the promo code dreamjob at checkout. Also, thanks to Skillshare. Skillshare is giving you two months of Skillshare for free. Get unlimited access to over 25,000 classes. Go to www.skillshare.com slash dreamjob2 to start your free trial today. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. How are you? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I hope you guys had a good weekend. I've just been working through so many big things. Where do I start? One pretty significant thing that happened this weekend is that I found out my dad was in the hospital and you guys can send him your prayers. And it's really intense when someone you love is in a situation like that. And all of a sudden, you really feel the fragility of life. And we get so desensitized to what's true. And my dad and I have worked in our relationship a lot. And, you know, it's amazing because no matter how much therapy I do, and maybe you can relate to this, there's always pieces of us that we hold on to. We hold on to old wounds. Maybe we think it'll protect us. Maybe we think if we stay a little guarded or we don't open our heart all the way, that somehow we won't get hurt again. And it's amazing because even though my dad and I have worked on our relationship so much through the years, in a second when I found out what was going on, I had this pain in my heart and I started to cry from such a deep place because there's a part of me that just always believed that there'd be more time and that eventually there'd be time to heal all the broken parts and make all the memories that weren't made. And yet we live across the country from each other. And it's so interesting because I had already been planning a surprise trip to go there this week. Isn't that crazy? I had booked a ticket two months ago for my whole family to spend our spring break there as a surprise to them. I hadn't even told my stepmom that we were coming. And of course, yesterday, in the midst of, of all the pain and sadness and fear since he's in the hospital and it's just a scary time, I let her know 
that I had this surprise and I sent her this screenshot that I had bought these tickets two months ago and that we're on our way. And it's like cosmically, like it was all planned as if God knew that he would need me there and that I would need to be there. And so we're on our way. And I was already looking forward to going, but now I'm really looking forward to going. And I just got so much clarity in that moment. And I realized how so much of the stuff I carry from my dad, I bring into my marriage and so many of the issues I'm working on where I want my husband to be there for me more. And I struggle with being the girl and letting him take care of me. There's a part of me that doesn't let him because I don't want to get hurt and I don't want to need anyone. And I just felt all of that in these tears the other day. And it's amazing how sometimes moments like that just give you such clarity like nothing else. Recently, a friend said to me, why is it that whenever you do any kind of meaningful exercise, you close your eyes? Like you meditate, you close your eyes. You're standing at the ocean and you want to take it in. You might close your eyes for a minute. What's that about? And he said, I think it's because when we see, we don't see. When we see, we think we see, but we don't. We're blinded by our sight. When we close our eyes, we have insight. We have insight. And when we're looking around, sometimes we're actually blinded by what we see. And I thought that was so valuable. And I think that that is so helpful to our conversation and to all of the things that we're all going through. Because so often we are so blinded by these illusions of limiting beliefs of the way that we judge other people, of the way that we judge ourselves and what's possible and our reality and the situations and the feeling of being separate or so far away from what we want. And sometimes you have a moment like I had and you get insight. And I just encourage all of us to spend more time, whatever we can do to facilitate that process where we gain insight as to what's real beyond the limiting beliefs, beyond the fear, beyond the illusions, and we get clear and it is all love and it is all possibility and it is all beauty, truly. But the only thing that allows for that all to come rushing in is vulnerability. We have to let the walls down. We have to be open to love. And that means we are open to getting hurt. And yet, all the times we've been hurt, even when they've hurt a lot, you know, when you've lost your dog, you had to put him to sleep, or when you go through a breakup, or when you are a kid and your parents break up, you know, you want to get into a certain college and you get rejected. All of those things, even though they're painful, I feel like we look back and we realize that it led us to exactly ultimately where we want to be. I feel like the answers that God gives us is either not yet, yes, or actually I have something better in mind. Like I think the universe is always directing us towards where we're supposed to be. And it was just such a big weekend. The other thing I did this weekend was I went to go look at a venue to possibly have my 40th birthday party at. I'm turning 40, you guys, in June, and I will keep you posted about what I'm planning. But it is an interesting thing to mark time. And it is important for us to celebrate and to stop and reflect. And I was telling my husband today, I think that when we put together events like this, it's really not just about us. 
even though I'm consciously going into this with the intention that I want to let it be about me, even though that is not my tendency. But I really think it's for everyone in your life and your family to come together and mark these moments. And it's really not about one thing. It's about everything that brought you there. So really celebrating a birthday or a wedding or a birth of a child is about all the people and all the interconnectedness of all the moments that led you to that moment. And you're celebrating all of that. So it's such a beautiful thing to stop and do that because we should be doing that all the time. And I think it's great to have an excuse to stop and really do that and soak in the wonder and the gratitude and savor all of it the joys, the highs, the lows, which all of it brought me to where I am. Like I wouldn't be doing this work if my parents hadn't gotten divorced, if I didn't have the empathy I have for what my mom went through, for what my dad went through, for watching so many people in pain, for having my own pain. So it's all really good. And I want to thank you for all the messages. And the very best thing you could do right now to support me is to go ahead and pre-order that book. We are actually so close to hitting such a huge number of pre-orders. And I spoke to my publisher this week and they're like, Kath, your community is incredible. They said, this is as good as it gets. So I want to say thank you. And I think we're going to do it. I think together with you, we as a community, as a family are going to hit the New York Times bestseller list. So I want to thank you in advance for what this journey is bringing And if you haven't already gotten your copy, then get it before May 1st. Go ahead and get it now. In fact, I heard that if you pre-order, you don't even technically pay for it. The money doesn't come out of your account until you get the book. So just go ahead and click that pre-order and pay for it because if you get your book before May 1st, you're going to get all of these bonuses, including you get to be part of this insider club, which will bring you into six weeks of me doing coaching calls, which is going to be awesome. So pre-order the book so you can get that. You'll also be given an opportunity to be in the raffle where I will pick eight people to do a one-on-one coaching session. There's also another raffle for a $75 gift card to either Anthropology or Nordstrom. You get to choose. And then also between now and the book actually coming out, I'm going to be choosing five people who pre-order each month. I'll be sending you an advanced copy. I'll be sending you a handwritten note as well as a package of a few of my favorite things. So get in on this. It is such a gift to me. If you aren't such a reader, get a copy for your friend. If you do want to read this book, but you also want to give one to your sister or your friend who you really want to support in opening her Etsy shop or your friend who you really want to support in getting out of their own way, buy a few copies. Really, every copy makes a difference in helping us get to this New York Times bestseller list, which will really open the floodgates in such a major way. So I love you guys. Thank you. Go ahead and pre-order that book. You can pre-order it if you go to don'tkeepyourdayjob.com slash book. Go ahead and pre-order the book. And then if you scroll down, there'll be a place for you to enter your details so that you can get all the bonuses. All right. So today's show is awesome. I had the fortune of speaking with best-selling author and blogger, Mark Manson. You probably heard of him or at least his incredibly popular book, which is called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, which he sold over 6 million copies. It's a self-help book for people who hate self-help, but even if you're a fan of self-help, which I am, you're going to so love this book. It holds up a magnifying glass to the things we choose to find important in life, and it digs in to why we should focus on being selective with our values 
instead of trying to fix everything. And Mark has a new book coming out soon, and it's called Everything is Effed. It's a book, actually, the subtitle is A Book About Hope. That title alone makes anyone want to buy this book. We're going to get into some of his juicy insights. Plus, I'll ask him about some of his dating advice because believe it or not, that's actually where he first started growing his career as a blogger. So I can't wait to dive in. Please welcome the incredible Mark Manson. Mark, I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. You're a superstar. You wrote a best-selling book. You have a new book coming out. And you have a whole journey beyond this. So can you take us back and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So I, I actually never intended to be an author, much much less a successful one. Right. <laughs> I, I graduated college right into the crash of 2007 and 2008. Mm -hmm. So spend all this money to go to school. And then as soon as you get out, hey, guess what? There's no jobs. Right. So... I was working all these like little odd jobs and stuff. And around the same time, I had some friends who had started their, a, a little web business. And um, I knew a little bit about web design and coding and graphic design and stuff. So I, I was helping them out. And I, I became really interested in what they were doing. Uh, and they said, hey, you should go read this this book, 4-Hour Workweek, which had just come out oh, yeah. around the time. So I read that. And as a broke 23-year-old who had no interest in the corporate world whatsoever, but also had no idea what the hell he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is it. So I decided to try to start some web businesses, started out in affiliate marketing, ended up doing a lot of freelance web design. You know, I, I was building all these websites to push these products. And back in like 08, 09, the thing that was all the rage was blogs. So I started writing a blog and it turned out it was my favorite part of the week. It was the thing I was good at. Hmm. And after a year or two, I'd say around 2010 or 2011, I was making a little bit of money. I, I had been living abroad for a while and I made a go at blogging full time. And as soon as I made that decision, things just exploded. Wow. That is crazy awesome. And I have to say to you, and I don't say this to everybody and my listeners know this, you have such a sweetness about you. And I'm not surprised that you're such a good writer because you have such a um, approachable quality to you. But I think the reason why you've been so successful from where I'm sitting is because you are so honest, right? Wouldn't you say that's a big through line in your work? Well, I would say that's probably my biggest value is is honesty. Yeah. The, the power that I realize too is that if you show the courage to have that honesty about yourself, to have that vulnerability. Um, if you're able to go first, then people will follow. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I That's think right. one of the reasons my, my book has been so successful is it's not that I really said anything new or different. It's that the things in the book are things that other people have felt or suffered through, but they felt very alone when they suffered through it. And so they see the book and they're like, oh my God, like not only has this guy been through it, but it, apparently yeah. like, Everybody else has too. Like. Right. So let's talk a little bit about that for people who've passed this book on many Barnes and Noble tables and they've seen it in the bestseller section of Amazon, but they haven't yet read it. Let's talk about starting where you just were. Like, What were a few of the things in the book that you revealed? Well, so <laughs> I didn't realize this until after I had written it, but I think if you had ranked like the five most painful experiences of my life, 
all five of them are in the book. Wow. <laughs> and, and, it, and that wasn't, you know, that wasn't calculated. It was just, you know, I, I knew going into the book that I, I really felt strongly that there needed to be a personal development book about the importance of pain. Because I felt like that that wasn't getting enough airtime in our culture, I agree. and yeah. and I think just as a result, um, those stories came out. So one is a, a good friend of mine died at a party when I was nineteen. Oh my god! Um, and it was completely unexpected and very tragic. I mean, that will mess with anybody, but oh, especially being beyond. nineteen and having thinking you're indestructible and oh my god. Um, it does a number on you. So traumatic to go through that. Yeah. Wow. I've got, um, there's a story in there about first love, ex-girlfriend, ended up cheating on me and leaving me, which Oof. I think is, is another one of those experiences that everybody has something like that, some right. sort of abandonment yes. in their life. Yes. Um, my parents' divorce, my family life growing up, you know, that was pretty ugly. So it's just, what I really wanted to do too is that I think a lot of people... I feel like most self-help books, they fill the personal stories in them are filled with like, well, and then I did this and I made $10 million and then I did that and I achieved my biggest goal, you know? Right. And, and it's like, that that's great. But I, I wanted to take the completely opposite route and be like, I'm going to show the worst parts of my life because I think that's fundamentally inspiring in a very different way. Yeah, I agree. And, and in a way that people need to hear. Yeah, because people feel so alone. Like that is the yeah. most pervasive thing in the culture. I just read this really sad article last night about how the suicide rates are doubling and tripling. And it has yeah. so much to do with the feeling of loneliness and the feeling of shame that comes from that because you look around and you don't think anyone else is living the same reality as you are. So you're the only one struggling with these things because everywhere you turn, there's all these curated images of people online having the best lunch, the best day, the best love life. And then what's wrong with you? So then here you come yeah. with this incredible bravery and honesty. And you're like, how about just telling the truth as a way to personal development? What I also love about it is it's a, a slice of life look at someone who's like, who lives down the block from you. You know, like, yeah. this is all of us. We are all in this. And you don't need to be the best at having a hard life in order to matter either. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. If you're suffering, it's the same fundamental human psychological components right. are at work and That's the same right. process of recovering and healing is at yep. work. Yep. Um, and we can all learn from each other. Yeah. And I think right now, everyone in my audience just fell in love with you even more. That is so beautiful. I want to talk about what you were doing in your blog. How did that start? What were the kind of topics that were happening in that time. So the blog is has definitely evolved a lot over the years. So it initially was nothing like this. Okay. But I, I do think one thing that contributed to the success of the book, I used the blog to market test ideas. Mm. So, you know, I knew the core themes of the book I wanted to write, but there are a lot of different ways to write those messages. And so mm -hmm. sometimes if I had a little bit of a crazy idea. I'd be like, you know what? Let's try a blog article, see what happens. And that actually, the, so the title, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, that's where the title came from. Initially, the book was being written with a different title, a little bit of a different tone. 
I think actually I was in a really bad mood one day and uh, the title was in my notes as like one of my ideas. It said the subtle art of not giving a fuck. So I was feeling super irreverent, really sarcastic. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to write this thing. Like I'm going to write like the most ridiculous over the top. I'm going to drop as many F-bombs as I possibly can. And it's going to be the best advice that anybody's ever heard. And I wrote that article and it went bananas. Like I think it ended up, you know, back when you you could track these things, I think it had over a million shares on Facebook. Shut and, up! Um, That's crazy. I think it, it like ten million page views, and it went off the charts. And so I yeah. was about halfway through my book when that article came out, and I was mm. like, "Oh, this is resonating." Right. Pivot. <laughs> this is re- yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so you know, went back to chapter one. You know, because the, the same idea about values and needing to choose your struggle and all those things were already in the book. But it's yeah. like, you know, then you just go back and kind of revise it as like yeah, you know, different lens. So for people who are listening to this podcast right now who want to start a blog, what's your advice to those wanting to do that successfully? Well, I think it depends what you want to do. I think if you want to be in self-development, I think not only is it better to be transparent and and brutally Mm -hmm. honest, but I I also think there's a little bit of an ethical component there too. Mm. Um, Because ultimately we're we're dealing with people's pain and trauma and happiness here. And and if you're you're sugarcoating things or glossing Mm. over certain parts of yourself, like you're really, you're potentially doing a disservice to people. Yeah, um, I see that. So, but I mean, if if you want to have a blog about like fly fishing or something, like you don't need to tell people about your personal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I hear you. It ultimately it comes down to like who who your audience is and what you want. Yeah, who do you want to serve? About. Okay, I'm loving this conversation, but let's just take a quick ad break. This episode is brought to you by Simple Health. Simple Health makes taking care of your health, well, simple. You can get birth control prescribed, renewed, and delivered wherever you are on your schedule. Access to a doctor, insurance status, or cost should never prevent a woman from getting birth control, and Simple Health cuts down all those barriers. It's a discreet and comfortable option. It's just you and your phone. No labels on the shipment or telling anyone about your personal life. Plus, they only offer trusted brands of birth control. Licensed doctors help design the product, and they review every patient with rigor and care so they can personalize a recommendation. Their doctors can prescribe over 100 brands of the pill, as well as the patch or ring. Also, Simple Health offers affordable care. They accept insurance and birth control is free with most insurance plans. For those without insurance, birth control starts at $15 per month. Delivery is also free for everyone. This service is not a replacement for routine evaluations by your primary care physician or gynecologist, but it is the most convenient and comfortable way to get your birth control. I think it's really important for us to have easier access to all of these things. So it's really cool that Simple Health is using technology to make that possible. The prescription is usually $20, but Simple Health is offering you a prescription for free. Just go to simplehealth.com slash dreamjob or enter the promo code dreamjob at checkout. That's a free prescription when you go to simplehealth.com slash dreamjob or enter promo code dreamjob at checkout. Now with you, this is something that comes up in every single conversation I have with a listener is imposter syndrome, self-doubt. And what you were just saying specifically when you talk about how being transparent is really such a way to go if you want to be in the self-development work, I I think that some people would say, but even more that brings up my feeling of inadequacy because then who am I to give people any kind of advice? How Mm -hmm. do you help a person address that feeling of imposter syndrome what I've learned is to just let go of the question because, first of all, I mean, really, who is to say who is qualified 
to give advice or to help people. It's a good um, point. And who's to say you're not? You know, for me, I feel like the market decides. Mm-hmm. One thing, I still get approached with this question all the time. It's like, why should I listen to you? Like, what are your credentials? Um, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I put it I put it on my about page on on my website. I said like, you know, I said first of all, you don't have to listen to anything I say. I don't have any credentials. I just write about my issues. If it helps you, that's great. If it doesn't, that's that's fine too. Mm-hmm. I think you really only get into trouble with this question when you start buying into it yourself, buying into this idea of like you have to be this you know, enlightened person on stage who's guiding millions of yeah. people. Like you don't have to be that. Just be true to yourself and who yeah. you are and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Like people are really compelled by somebody who is vulnerable and honest, which goes back again to your success and to who you are. Yeah. So let's move forward a little bit into diving deeper into the book. So one of the chapters is happiness is a problem. And I want to ask you about this because I love it so much. If it's not happiness we're seeking, what are we striving towards and how can we do that? I think happiness is kind of an illusion in our mind and we are striving for it, but we we think it's real. We think there is some permanent state in the world of like, man, if I could just have this business, you know, if I could just build this business or if I could have a house or if I could get married, then I would have happiness. Right, like, the, like, like there's an arrival. Exactly. And it's, it, what it is, is it's an illusion that our mind plays on us. Doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, your mind is playing this illusion on you. And uh, the reason it plays this illusion is because it's what gets you to go do stuff and uh, try to make your life better. But ultimately, it's an illusion. And that illusion's always going to be there. It doesn't matter how successful you get. And I think our instinctual reaction is to uh, be like, well, that didn't make me happy. But this next thing, that's, that's the real happiness. And we just keep playing that game with ourselves. And I think that the, what we have to do is just be honest and recognize the illusion for what it is and simply be comfortable with it. Yeah. You know, you, you can't exit the illusion you can't stop having it, but you can be aware of it and, and understand that it doesn't need to define who you are or what you do with your life. Right. That's really beautiful. I have heard it said, and I've said it on this show, that I think the thing that we think we want is happiness, but the opposite of depression for me in my life has never necessarily been happiness, but purpose, like contribution, yes. that feeling of meaning. And the more you sort of feed yourself with meaning, the things that make you quote unquote happy, they don't do it for you as much. And you chase then, I think that feeling of like connection and contribution and all of that stuff. And another chapter in your book, which I wanted to touch on, which I just never hear people talk about enough, the value of suffering. I love how you put those two words together, value, suffering. So what is the value in the suffering that's gone on in our lives? So here's the paradox. Like you you just said it. You said that the real goal here in like being a healthy and functional and happy person is it's not finding pleasure. It's finding meaning. It's finding a sense of purpose. And the catch is, is that the only way you get to feel something purposeful, that you get to feel something meaningful, is you have to sacrifice for it. You have to give something up. Huh. If you don't ever give anything up, 
then you take it for granted and you become kind of like a spoiled child. So it's actually through the process of suffering for something that makes it seem meaningful in our lives. Mm. And one of the things I talk about in the new book is that I think a lot of the comforts in the conveniences in our in the world right now are removing that sense of sacrifice or suffering and removing our ability to to form meaning effectively. Yeah. And if you look at it like a, a simple example is like relationships you mentioned earlier like there's kind of an epidemic of loneliness occurring yeah. right now and yeah. and it's the thing that makes you feel close to somebody isn't having fun together. I mean having fun together is great, but like I think everybody's kind of had an experience in their life. Like I remember I used to party a lot in my 20s. And there were pe- there were people that I partied with almost every week for years on end. And then as soon as I stopped partying, I had nothing to talk about with them. Mm. I had, I felt no intimacy, no attachment right. to them. What develops that sense of intimacy and attachment, what gives you relationships that feel meaningful is people you've suffered with. Yeah. You know, old friends who were there for you when, you know, during your divorce or when you lost your job. Like, you know, if you ever hear accounts of veterans who fought in wars with their oh my gosh, you know, people, totally. their, their fellow soldiers, like yeah. it's, they, they, they speak about it as a love. It's that level of intimacy. Yes. So it's not only is there value in suffering, but you need some sense of sacrifice or struggle to, yeah generate that sense of meaning and value in your life yeah and you can feel that like in a simple way like if you hike to the top of this beautiful hill you appreciate that view so much because you sweat it out it's completely a different experience than if you just were to like drive up and like look at the view it's different or google it (laughs) or google it even worse (laughs) right and i feel like on some level we want to grow So we don't want all the answers and just get to the top of the hill or like when someone gives you the math problems and shows you the answers in the back of the book, it's like working that problem out. It's so much more satisfying when you go through that. And often then you're suffering what I thought you were going to say, but I think this is true for you because you're such an example of this. In addition, your suffering turns into your message, right? Like everything you've been through, you use every ounce of that now to serve other people like you a good friend of mine said to me years ago you can only help someone out of a well when you've been down there before that's the only way um last chapter i want to dig into before we move on failure is the way forward so what does that mean failure is the way forward how can we embrace failure instead of letting it completely derail us well i think it's just understanding that Again, success is the this idea of success is kind of an illusion. Success doesn't actually really exist. Success is just somebody who fails much better than you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> success is somebody who's who has fail like their problems and their failures in their life are so much better than yours that it, it appears that they don't have problems and failures. I, I see life in terms of it's just this constant iteration of Try something, kind of works, kind of doesn't. Learn from what doesn't, try something else. Try that, something works, something doesn't. You're just constantly iterating on the ideas. The same is true with a book. A book is never finished. At some point, you just have to be like, all right, that's good enough. Yep. Um, it's close enough. You're constantly iterating 
on your failures. And then eventually you get to a point where people don't see your failures anymore because you're, you've evolved and grown so far past, you know, where, where they're used to. So it's good. funny. Cause like if I open subtle art right now, I guarantee you within one minute, I'll find a paragraph that I'm like, Ooh, I wish I could rewrite this one. You know, oh, I totally <laughs> relate to that. It never stops. So true. I love what you're saying that people who we think are more successful than us, they're just working with those failures, right? It's not that they're not failing. It's a way of looking at it. And I love that idea that like, it's always in beta. You're just basically making the next failing version, which just helps you make it better. And then your expectation is to improve rather than hit some like illusory target, which like nobody hits. So to wrap it up, what does it then mean, the subtle art of not giving an F? And how can we be more selectives with the Fs that we give and don't give? The whole message of subtle art is essentially to, to think beyond simply goals or success or happiness. Think about the values that are informing those definitions of success or happiness. Uh, one of the points I make in the book is, early on is that if you have a bad definition of success then all of the motivation, discipline, hard work, you know, everything, it's actually, it's going to be hurting you, not helping you. Mm -hmm. So until you get your values and your priorities in order, you know, everything else is kind of just icing on the cake. That was my fundamental goal. And then also kind of introducing a more negative or pessimistic view of human growth. I find a lot of like classic self-help that was written in the 70s and 80s, like to be very idealistic of like, you know, we can be happy all the time and we can be success. Mm -hmm. We can all be successful. And it's like, no, no, no. Our brains are really like not efficient in a lot of ways. Our emotions are messy and go off the tracks often. And we we need to stop pretending that this isn't the case and admit it to ourselves so that we can learn how to better handle them. Yep. One thing I remember hearing that was just like eye-opening for me and somebody put it in this way and I was like, God, that's so helpful to know. They were explaining to me that your mind through evolution, through everything that we've been through as a species, your mind is wired for suffering. Like it's yes. always looking for problems. It's always looking to assess danger. So it's constantly like, unless you're directing it intentionally to something that is positive, it is meant to protect you, right? It's this like old computer that's like, is there a saber tooth tiger coming around the corner? What do I need to do to make sure he doesn't come around the corner? Like it's constantly looking for that. That's, that's actually what helped us survive all of this, right? And then you build onto that your own personal stuff, your own personal journey, the stuff that happened to you from zero to seven years old, and then all the survival skills you built, you built to defend yourself from that pain and that loss and all of that stuff, which it helped you get through your stuff. But now it's literally nonstop. Like it's like this program that's been coded to constantly keep you from suffering. And it's actually not helping you. It's hurting you constantly. Yeah. So I, I have a chapter about that essentially in, in the next book. And, and in that chapter, I have a study that uh, researchers, they just did it this past year. What they did is they exposed people to pictures of threatening and non-threatening faces. And what they found is that, and they, they exposed them like thousands and thousands of pictures. And what they found is that 
the fewer threatening faces that you showed people, the more people would mistake non-threatening faces as threatening. Oh my God. We have this like set level in our brain for threats in our life. And and if our life gets comfortable enough that the threats in reality are below that threshold, we start imagining them. Mm -hmm. Um, We start inventing them for ourselves. Oh my God. Uh, and it comes back to this idea that what I talk about in the, in the new book is that we need a, a certain degree of conflict to create meaning for ourselves. So we need to feel like we're opposed to something. Otherwise, it's like, why get up? Why get out of bed? Wow. And if life gets too easy and comfortable, then we don't know what to oppose. So, so we start inventing things. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I'm glad that you brought up the new book because that's where we're, where we're headed right now. Um, first of all, your book comes out May 14th. Is that correct? Yes. And is it available for pre-order right now? Absolutely. Cool. So this book is called Everything is Effed, yep. um, but I love the subtitle, which is this is a book about hope. I love that. <laughs> You're so funny. You're such a good writer. So tell us some other messages that are in this book and what inspired you to write it. So the starting point of this book, it's kind of an extension of subtle art, but it's a little bit more socially minded. So the starting point of the book is is something that you mentioned in passing, I think, at the beginning of the podcast, which is materially, the world is better than it's ever been. I mean, oh. if you look at all the statistics about violence and crime and how long people are living and yeah. uh, how, how educated people are, um, diseases, like everything is better than it's ever been before. Mm-hmm. Yet, if you look at statistics about mental health depression, anxiety, suicide, uh, drug overdoses, everything's getting worse. And and if you just look, I mean, anybody who spends 10 minutes on Twitter can yeah. see that, yeah. you know, people are losing their damn minds over yeah. everything. Yeah. So that was kind of my starting point. It was like, this is, it's an interesting paradox. If everything is getting so much better and if technology is so amazing, like why does everybody seem to feel like the world is about to end? Yeah. So in investigating that, that's kind of where I came to a lot of these discussions about the need of of suffering to find meaning. Because essentially, like you said, like anxiety and depression, it's not about being sad. It's a crisis of meaning. It's like you don't know what is important or what is worth living for if, or if whatever you're going to do is worthwhile. Yeah. And like that is actually a, a much deeper and more fundamental problem. And so if we need some degree of like suffering or conflict to create a sense of meaning, what is it that this technology is doing, that our culture is doing, that is is making it so difficult for people to find that? Yeah. And then in terms of like personal inspiration, the, the thing that really got me turned on to this topic is that, and this is going to sound insane. I always feel weird when I t- tell people this, but it's true. You know, when subtle art took off, became a huge success. It was really, it felt amazing for a few months. But then I got like six months into it and it it was just selling a bajillion copies. And I actually like became depressed for a little while. And it was because I, it took me a long time to figure out why. And it was basically because I didn't know what to hope for anymore. Basically, every, every dream I had for the last 15 years I hit it like all of them pretty much at the same time, which is incredible. It's amazing. I wouldn't take, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't take any of it back. But the side effect of that is 
you don't have anything to dream about anymore. You don't have any hope, anything to hope for anymore. It it feels like everything else you're going to do in your life is, is downhill from here. It messes with you so much uh, that it got me thinking about this idea of hope of like, we have to have some sense that things are going to be better in our future. And for whatever reason, everything that's going on in our culture right now, it's making that more difficult for people. Yeah, that's a huge insight. And it makes so much sense. And I've heard it said before, the same story. And I can, you know, I haven't sold 6 million copies of my book like you have, but I've had instances like that. Like I remember when I had a full page feature of me in Billboard magazine when I was a songwriter full time. And the next day Mm -hmm. I was thinking I was going to be on top of the world. And like three weeks later, I felt depressed. And it was yep. because that was my goal and I hit it. And then I was like, what, what, what's my goal? What do I do? My life's not different. I, you know, they've actually done studies where the day after somebody wins the Oscar, they're in bed and they're shaking because they, huh. they don't know what to do. It's so anticlimactic. They thought something would happen at that point, but all that happens the next day is you have to find another reason to serve the world. And you're, you're not sure yep. what that is because we already said that what makes life happy is meaning and you beautifully took us down this journey, which I've never looked at it from this perspective, but that we need something to push up against. And that goes back to everything, every great speaker from Seth Godin and everybody else has shared about how important it is to solve problems. And that yep. gives you something to push up against. So if you have yes. this never ending need to serve, you're going to be good. Because you'll continue. That's where Oprah can continue to like, it doesn't matter how many billions of dollars she has. It doesn't matter how many schools she's built in Africa. There's so much work to be done. There's so many mouths to feed. There's so many people's brains to clean out of all that garbage that they feed themselves. There's so much work to be done. She can push up against that. So before we go on, let's thank our sponsor. As human beings, we're always searching for ways to expand our capabilities, which often includes learning new skills. That's why we need Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators with more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more. You'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, and career. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with their special offer. Get two months of Skillshare for free when you go to Skillshare.com slash dreamjob2. You can take classes in social media marketing, photography, graphic design, or even illustration. I love Skillshare's classes. Lately, I've been really working on my social media. And it's really important, you guys, to understand that your branding says so much. And for so long, I would just every single day post something new on my Instagram. And I recognize that when I look at somebody's feed, right away, it tells me a story. And so I wanted to start understanding this better. And so if you start to look at my feed over the next week, two weeks, three weeks, three months, you're going to see what I've been diving into. But I love that they have classes on that. So whether you're looking to discover a new passion, start a side hustle or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning, thriving and reaching those goals. Right now, Skillshare is offering Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2. And that's the number two. That's Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2 to start your two months now. Everybody who's listening right now, wants to be successful. All kinds of creative people who want to be entrepreneurs and some of them already started. What's your advice to take an idea and really make it stand out in the world? What, what's your advice to someone wanting to grow and be successful? Maybe the broadest piece of advice I can give. We live in such an interesting time in that the internet, in some ways it makes it harder, but in most ways it makes it much easier to start 
I would just tell people to start as early as possible. If you haven't started already, you're, you're, you're behind the curve. Like yeah. it's, I was actually just talking to a musician, like he's been successful for a long, long time. And we were talking about how the internet has like changed the music industry. And he was saying, yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause back in my day, it was, you just waited around and hoped the record label would find you. Um, he right. said today you got to go online and put music out for free for like three years oh, yeah. before you make a dollar, yep. but anybody can do it. Anybody yep. can start, anybody can get to work, anybody can like see how their audience is evolving. Yep. And, um, and so I think most people, when they try to start out, they have this mindset of like, I have this piece of art. I can't put it out there until it's amazing. And so they just kind of like get anxious and freak out and mm -hmm. wait for something to happen. The truth is, is that any sort of creative career, it is a never ending evolution of both your work, but also the relationship your work has with the public. Mm -hmm. And you have to start that relationship as early as possible to, to grow that as well. Yep. Um, and you can't grow it by staying in, in the shadows. Yep. I love that. Now, before we let you go, we're going to have like one more minute, but 85% of this audience are women. And I know that they are going to fall in love with you just hearing just one or two sentences about your dating advice. Like what's your sure. input on what works uh, when you're dating to make it successful? So uh, dating advice is actually my, it's my roots. It's, it's the one <laughs> website it's that the OG. I had that... <laughs> Yeah, that it's the one website that I had that was that was actually making okay money and and so that's where I started my blog. So this has been my my bread and butter for a long time. Um I would say the quickest and best piece of advice I I have a thing called the law of fuck yes or no, which is if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a no. And I encourage women particularly love it, but it it's also very helpful for men. And I encourage people, if you're struggling in dating, to go read that article. It's funny because the core psychological issues, like the core issues around dating, they're like 90% the same in men and women. It's just that the culture forces them to express them in different ways. And so with men, it tends to be there's a ton of anxiety around rejection because you know culturally men are expected to take the first step every step of the way. Yeah. And that's a terrifying thing yeah, it's um, tough. in a lot of ways. Whereas women have kind of the opposite problem, which is maybe they know a lot of guys and a lot of guys are, are flirting with them or talking to them or whatever, but it's like, they don't know who to trust. They don't know how much they like the guy. They right. don't know if he's like, if he's got good intentions or not. Mm -hmm. um, so that tends to be the, the issue that women struggle with. So my overarching advice for both genders is honesty be respectful about it, but state your interest, respect the other person, respect their boundaries. And it just makes everything else so much easier to sort out and then be okay if, if they don't feel the same way. If people are, I mean, I have so many friends around me who are awesome, who I think this is a, a new thing where there's a huge percentage of people in our population who are in their mid thirties or later who are single. And I don't think it was like that if you look back 50 years. So I yeah. think more and more people who are like great people are single longer and longer. And, you know, like sometimes you're, you're talking to someone and this person's amazing. They went to Princeton and they're pretty and they have all, and it's like, they're just perpetually single, like date after date. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. How do people break through that? Cause I see that so often. It's a combination of 
three things. Um, one is paradox of choice. You know, back in the day, a hundred years ago, most people lived in a small town. You only knew like maybe a dozen suitable partners. Two of them like you. You pick the one you prefer. Like that's it. You're done. Right. You know, <laughs> that's your dating life. Uh, you know, today it's just with Tinder and all the apps and right. online sites and everything. Like it's just endless supply. Part of what makes that more difficult too is that it's taking people longer to become financially secure. Mm-hmm. So it used to be people were financially secure by their mid twenties. These days, it's like early to mid thirties before most people are financially secure. That's and people generally don't want to make life commitments until they're financially secure. Right. So not only does that delay things, but it also makes the dating pool that much larger. Mm-hmm. And then third is I think just as a culture, we struggle with commitment more than we used to. And that, that goes for everything that goes for picking a city to live in, picking a career, oh, yeah. picking yeah. friends, picking a partner. I think there's just a little, there's more anxiety around commitment because you have so many options. It's hard to come to terms with the fact that you're giving up, you know, all the possibilities. Yeah. So what would you, what's your take home message? Like what, what's something you think people should chew on when it comes to wanting to find a better match or, or make their dating life more successful? I think you look at their values. Like who are they as a person? What are they, ask yourself like, what type of beliefs should they share with you? What type of worldview should they share with you? Those are the things I think that will drive intimacy in the long run. Yep. So you need you just need to get clear about those up front. Yep. Thank you for all of this. Tell us where we can find you. Tell us where we can find your book. Markmanson.net and the new book drops May 14th. Uh, you can pre-order it now everywhere. And there are limited amount of signed copies available on Barnes & Noble. So check them out. So cool. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all that you shared. Really enlightening conversation. Thank you, Kathy. How fun was that? I love chatting with Mark. Okay, now here are some takeaways. Number one, you are not alone in your pain. We all experience it and we can all learn from each other. Number two, let go of the question, who am I to do this? Be true to yourself and let the chips fall where they may. Number three, happiness is an illusion. Don't let it define who you are or what you do with your life. Number four, purpose can be created out of suffering and sacrifices. Number five, success is just constant iterating on our failures. Number six, get grounded in the values that define your goals. Number seven, your mind is constantly searching for conflict in order to solve problems and build meaning. And number eight, your business is a never-ending evolution of your work and the relationship it has with your people. Start that relationship now. Okay, so what are you guys going to do? Because you're so awesome. And because, by the way, this book is really a great book, you're going to go ahead and you're going to pre-order this book before May 1st. So do it today because every week I get so excited. I check the numbers every Tuesday and you have no idea what it means to me when I see those numbers going up. And I know that you guys are going to have this book in your hands. Also, when you pre-order the book before May 1st, you're going to get all the delicious bonuses, including six weeks of coaching, You're going to get a raffle for one-on-one coaching. You're going to be in this group, which means I'm going to be choosing five of you every month and sending you an advanced copy, plus a handwritten note, plus a care package of some of my favorite things. So get in on this. Go to don'tkeepyourdayjob.com slash book. 
If you're not already subscribed on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and do that. It is absolutely free. It helps us tremendously. Wherever you listen, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on the awesome episodes that we have coming out. There's so many cool things coming. It's always a huge help if you want to review the show. But please, if you like this episode or any other episode, share it with a friend. Share it with two friends. It costs nothing. And it is one of the best ways for you to support us. Thank you guys for listening. I'll leave you with a song of mine. And I'm going to talk to you on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. They say that home is where the heart is. So what am I to do? Won't you teach me how to trust this cause I gave my heart to you they say the less is more but more is more Choose.